Back here on the program, L.A. Gridiron Weekly, your host, Kirk Morrison. You just heard it there. Eight-year NFL veteran, NFL linebacker for a long time in Oakland, Jacksonville, Buffalo, but a current NFL analyst here on 710 ESPN and, and with ESPN College Football as well. I'm your guy for when it comes to football. You got questions, I have your answers. And it's been a great first hour of the program. I can't believe it. We've launched this show now. It is up and running. It has been going. Your phone calls have been great. We've been kind of just laying the groundwork. This is episode number one, show number one. You got to lay the groundwork. You got to let people know who you are. Who are they talking to? Who are they listening to? You're listening to Kirk Morris, and I'll give you my thoughts on everything when it comes to the National Football League, especially here in Los Angeles. We've gotten... Uh, we've talked a little bit about five years, right? Five years of the NFL here in Los Angeles. But you know what? As we talked about that in the first hour of the program, it's time for halftime. Now, let's take a little bit of break. Halftime, please. Mm, halftime brought to you by my Twitter page, by the way, at Kirk Morrison and at Kirk Morrison on Instagram. Just an update here. For people who are fans of the 710 ESPN family, right now, Team Travis is up two holes to zero over Team Ireland in the Travis versus Ireland matchup part four. So, yes, that's just giving you an update. And shout out to Travis, my partner on Los Angeles Rams pregame, postgame, and halftime here on 710 ESPN before every single Rams game. You can hear me and Travis. And shout out to John Ireland, the voice of the Los Angeles Lakers uh, hopefully Ireland can make a comeback. It'll be a thrilling defeat. But right now, Travis, Team Travis is up. So that's who halftime was brought to you by. So I bring up halftime because you get a chance to reset a little bit what we've talked about so far. Sort of my credentials, my resume uh, on why I feel like I'm your expert when it comes to the National Football League. That That's the first part we talked about. We've talked about just how spoiled people in Los Angeles are. <laughs> because we have great teams here. And I say we because I live here. I've been a resident for 15 years. So when you have good teams who are just winning, who are winning championships, not just being competitive, we're talking about winning championships, the reigning NBA champs, Lakers, the reigning Major League Baseball champs, the Los Angeles Dodgers. At some times, look, football gets buried. We know. It just happens, right? But it's okay to be spoiled when you have the success that Los Angeles has, but no more because we can now talk football. So that's what we got into with the first hour, but it took some time for football to get back 20 plus years for football to finally return to Los Angeles. And so I don't want to waste any more time. <laughs> Let's just get to our next guest. Now joining the program, a guy who, look, I needed some info. I needed somebody who's been boots on the ground, who understands the landscape of Los Angeles when it comes to football. And there was no one better for me to go out and, and, and reach out and get some of that knowledge. And the guy who I thought of first is Sam Farmer. He's an L.A. Times columnist, sports writer, covers the NFL for the L.A. Times. He's on Twitter at L.A. Times Farmer. And look, I'm going to start right here, Sam. You've, it's like you've been around this. You saw it the first time. Right in '95, when the Rams and the Raiders left Los Angeles, ultimately, what led them to leave Los Angeles, Sam? Yeah, Kurt, and and it's great talking to you. I love I love the fact. I mean, the fact that I covered you as a player, and then uh, <laughs> now you're on on this side of the fence. It's really fun. Uh, 
Yeah, leaving Los Angeles, so the Rams and Raiders left. It was over a stadium, you know, and there was no public money uh, for stadiums, no interest in spending public money on stadiums. And that was a time when teams were really distinguishing themselves by building new stadiums, getting that money from suites and luxury suites and that kind of stuff, which actually translated over to success on the field because they were able to give those up upfront bonuses. They had that liquidity. Uh, and L.A. had these two old, you know, aging stadiums in, in the Coliseum and the Rose Bowl, and it just wasn't happening. Uh, the, the taxpayers would put public funds towards the stadium. So they left, and that um, that led to a 20-year absence of the NFL. So you had the nation's number one sport out of the number two market for 20 years, and a lot of stuff happened, as you know, during that during those 20 years that made it more and more comfortable to consume football from your couch. I mean, you had Sunday Ticket and sort of the rise of the internet and rise of fantasy football. So fans weren't as interested in one particular team, but following individual players and you had NFL network. And uh, so you could sit there in LA and be a huge fan and follow whatever team you wanted to. And, and, you know, as, as Howie Long says, you know, LA is the Ellis Island of NFL fans. Every fan is represented here. And so, you could uh, consume that. So, so the interest in, in committing public funds dwindled even more. And so, it, you know, it had to be a guy bringing uh, who was going to foot the whole bill. And that turned out to be Stan Kroenke. It's going to foot the whole bill. And, uh, you know, now then the Chargers come up a year later. And now uh, that situation is in question. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it's really been a tumultuous ride over these years. Yeah, definitely. We're going to touch on that in just a second here. We're joined by Sam Farmer, L.A. Times columnist, covers the NFL for the Times. And, you know, Sam, one of the things that uh, for me that I always enjoyed when I cover Super Bowls, right, is that I get a chance to – and this is prior to 2016. Prior to 2016, Sam – I would always enjoy the Sam Farmer questions to the commissioner, whether it was Tag <laughs> whether it was Roger Goodell, about the market of Los yeah. Angeles. How can we see a team back in Los Angeles? Did, did you ever think NFL football would get back to L.A.? You mentioned that 20-year that hiatus of not having a team. Throughout that time, did you ever think that they would get back to Los Angeles? Well, you know, I figured it – you know, nature abhors the vacuum. And I thought there, there, this vacuum in LA, there's gotta be a time when it comes back, but it was still surprising when it, when it all came together. Cause I was so used to new team in LA and the LA was more valuable to the NFL without a team than with a team, mm. because without a team, you had 27 teams, um, most of whom you'd used LA, invoked LA, talked about, you know, maybe we'll move to LA. 27 teams either got new stadiums or had at least $400 million in renovations to their current stadium. So wow. it's like LA was the boogeyman. And <laughs> uh, if you wanted to scare your city, all you had to do is say LA. 
Uh, maybe we'll go to L.A. And, you know, sort of what got lost in all of that is L.A. is a very, very difficult market, as both the Rams and, and Chargers have been reminded. Um, it's hard to get everybody's attention. You, you've got so much, as, as Tim Lywicki, um, formerly of AEG, used to yeah. say, the only time you get everybody in L.A. behind you is on the 405 uh, just before rush hour. <laughs> it's, like, it's hard to get the attention of everybody in L.A. And there's so many. You got the Lakers and Dodgers. You got two hockey teams. You got you know two baseball teams, two, two basketball teams. So right. um, plus all the other distractions of L.A. And again, we're living in a world when uh, you don't necessarily need to have a team in town because you have such access to whatever team you want and you can follow them as closely. You can kind of follow the Cleveland Browns just as closely in LA as you can in Cleveland. Yeah. So, uh, so did I think a team would come back? Yeah, I guess I did, but I really didn't know what it would look like. And, and I, I, I didn't think it was, I thought it was going to be the universe of people who would spend enough money to bring a team back and Stan Kroenke, five billion on the stadium mm. um, is so small. The the universe of, of potential buyers is so small. I thought, boy, it's gonna you're gonna have to have the perfect storm. We have a team with the ability to move and an owner with not just the resources to do it, but the will to uh, fight through this and make it happen. So and and, and obviously the league had to be very interested in that too. Right. So I always, I guess I anticipated, even though the league talked about LA as a two team market, what I thought was going to happen was one team would come and then there'd be a vacancy. And they mm-hmm. use that vacancy as a leverage point uh, going forward. So they could have their cake and eat it too. have a team in LA and still have that club to hold over the head of other team, other cities when they needed new stadiums done. But uh, as it happened, the Chargers exercised their option and moved up. Yeah, you mentioned the Chargers. They found their way up, and I'll get to them in just a second. But but in 2016, the uh, the owners, they had a 30-2 vote that allowed Stan Kroenke to move the Rams from St. Louis to Los Angeles. And obviously, most recently, the NFL approved of the Chargers now to move to Los Angeles as well. They've both been here now for a while. I would say football has been back in Los Angeles for five years now, Sam. Like, what, what's the temperature, you think, in Los Angeles just about the Rams and even the Chargers and even around the league right now? How is football working in Los, in Los Angeles? Well, you know, Kirk, it's, such, it's been such a weird thing because of the pandemic because you, you really felt like, you know, the Rams were starting to get traction. And I, if, if I would say there was a point when, when I could really envision, okay, this is what it could be like, it was that game, um, I think it was a Monday night game yeah, against the, against the Chiefs. Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. The, the, four, yeah, the game that was supposed to be in Mexico City. Game. Right, yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And because it was supposed to be in Mexico City and they moved it the last minute, uh, it was all L.A. fans. The Chiefs fans had to rebook or didn't come or whatever, and, and you felt that energy, and 
you know, Patrick Mahomes and the Rams come back and they win 54, 51. It's such an exciting game. And the electricity in the Coliseum, even though the Coliseum is in that low slung bowl, bowl configuration, it's not like a modern NFL stadium where you're really on top of the action and it's right. much more vertical. Um, so the, the sound sort of bleeds out a little bit of the Coliseum, whereas they can keep it in an NFL stadium. So it could even be more intense in SoFi, something like that. That's when I thought, okay, it's coming together. Then the Rams get to the Super Bowl. Uh, they obviously lost the Super Bowl, but they, they have a dynamic head coach. Um, you know, now they're bringing in uh, a, a, an elite quarterback in Matthew Stafford. I think with a running game, he can be an elite quarterback. But playing that that season in the empty stadium was just weird. It was weird for everybody around the country, and, and this whole our whole lives have been turned upside down. So that's only a small aspect of it. But it feels to me that once fans are into that stadium – and uh, and you've been there. I mean, it's it's phenomenal. I think there's real traction there, and you can start building a momentum. The Chargers have got some exciting things on the field. There's no question about it. And they got they got a dynamic young quarterback uh, who's really uh, going to be a superstar, and and other and some defensive players are spectacular, but. They didn't have a fan base in moving up here. Now they've done a they've done a good job in a, a, a lot of respects in starting to build that fan base and that excitement. Um, they've got a long way to go, and but you know it's a it's the one relocation that I can remember where typically you know with a relocation the city they're leaving can't stand them and the city that that they're that's receiving them is really excited about them right this is the one rare location where san diego couldn't stand them and la didn't even blink they didn't even flinch they didn't even nobody even knew they arrived right um i kind of there was no buzz to this i called it the oduls of relocation <laughs> You know? <laughs> I like that. <laughs> Absolutely no buzz, uh, <laughs> but, uh, but you know they're doing what they can on the field, and uh, they've been very up and down, obviously, uh, on the field. But they got some exciting players, and we'll see how that pans out. But it, it feels a little bit like um, the NFL flooded the engine here, yeah. uh, in pushing two teams into the market and trying to sort of bifurcate their efforts to, uh, to market two teams. So it's a, it remains to be seen. It really would have been interesting. I think had the chargers moved to Vegas and had the Raiders moved to LA, <laughs> that would have been a much different scenario. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We, we could talk about that one on, on another episode here of LA Gridiron Weekly. Sam, <laughs> <laughs> Sam Farmer here joining me, uh, LA Times columnist. Just a couple more minutes here with Sam, but you mentioned the Chargers, and obviously the big news has kind of come out over the last couple of days. It's, you know, surrounding the team, its ownership, the, the Spanos family, now a sister saying that she wants to, to force the team to, to, to basically sell because they're in debt. 
when the National Football League or people around start to hear that, does this sound like a mistake that the Chargers moved to Los Angeles? Uh, yeah, you know, I think there's a belief. A lot of people have that belief that they should have stayed in San Diego. Right. Um, and this might just sort of underscore that belief. Like, wow, you weren't doing terrible in a financial sense. I mean, one of the one of the things when you look at the Rams and the Raiders and the Chargers, the Rams and the Raiders could actually cry poor, or at least say we're in the bottom quartile of revenues. Uh, the Chargers, sort of the bad fact in their argument was they weren't doing so bad in San Diego. Uh, uh, yes, at the end we saw uh, the fans dwindle, but they, uh, you know, they were doing better in a financial sense, revenues-wise, revenues wise than the Rams and, and Raiders. So uh, there is a belief that this was a hasty move up here, even though they had years and years to contemplate it. At the end, uh, they just sort of decided, nope, we're leaving. It came up, and uh, and yes, this ownership situation is a concern because when you have that family infighting, um, you know, and and you hear that the foundation, family foundation, is some three hundred fifty million dollars in the hole, and they're not able to pay twenty two million in donations that they pledged to various charities and. Uh, you know, obviously the the value of the team is very high right now, especially after these uh, new media deals. Um, you wonder, can this be solved? Can the family um, keep hang on to the team, or uh, ultimately will they have to sell it? Well, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how that plays out. Just one more minute here with Sam Farmer of the L.A. Times. Uh, I guess uh, on, on a brighter note, on a much happier note, uh, I marked this date down. So about 30 seconds here, Sam. February 13th, 2022, about 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, Super Bowl 56, SoFi Stadium, Los Angeles. Just the first thought that comes to mind. You know, a a rebirth, a rebirth for the country, the first major, major event uh, where it will be like old times, I think. I think where most, the vast majority of the country will be vaccinated. You may have to be vaccinated to get into that game. And I think the NFL is going to look at this as a celebration of the return of, to to some degree of normalcy. And whatever that looks like, I don't know. But I think the league looks at it as uh, uh, this is bigger than a Super Bowl. This is uh, a national sort of landmark day uh, for a country that's uh, lived under this cloud for quite some time. Wow. <laughs> I truly believe that, too. And it's also, I think, the, the real christening of SoFi Stadium, too, for the world to see. So. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. I'll be there. I know for sure Sam Farmer will be there, man. But, Sam, I know you're a busy guy. You got stuff going on. You got the Masters coming up. You got, you, you're covering everything. But I just appreciate the time that you gave me today, Sam. Always appreciate it. 
Anytime. Anytime for you, Coach. Great <laughs> talking to you, buddy. Uh, thank you, Sam Farmer. We'll, we'll dissect what Sam was uh, in, in that interview. Great. We'll dissect that next. Coming up here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN. Back here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly, Kirk Morrison, your host, eight-year NFL veteran in the National Football League and current Rams analyst, host, pregame, halftime, postgame, whatever. I am your NFL expert, all your NFL needs. Again, thank you to Sam Farmer, L.A. Times columnist and sports writer, covers the NFL for the times. Uh, great interview. Uh, a lot to really dissect uh, in his interview. If you missed it, make sure you go back to our ESPN Los Angeles page. Make sure you go back and look and listen to it on demand. That was a lot of information for a guy who's been around in this market, born and raised here, you know, high school here, but he watched football when it was here the first time. Saw the relocation, 95, by the Raiders, Rams. And then saw football. He always clamored for football. Like you heard in the interview, like seriously, me covering Super Bowls. One of the things that I would always try to attend was the state of the NFL press conference during Super Bowl week. And Sam Farmer will be front and center and he will be asking, hey, what's up with football in L.A.? And it was some great, great, great uh, insight there. How the National Football League in 20 years produced all these new stadiums because they kept dangling the carrot of if you don't, <laughs> there's a market that we would love to put your team in. And boy, all those city taxpayers and county, they all ponied up and they kept their stadiums. And seems like a lot of people are happy uh, in most places, I should say. Not all places, but most places, they're pretty happy about what happened. So again, thanks to Sam Farmer um, for that interview. He said some things there I definitely want to unpack just a little bit. And anybody, your thoughts out there as well on what Sam had to say, 877 877- 710 ESPN 877-710-3776 at Kirk Morrison on Twitter and Instagram. Anytime you want to throw me a note, throw me a shout out, comments, questions. Uh, I'm here, not just today, all week long, and we can get to it on this program each and every week. Our hashtag to LAGW for LA Gridiron Weekly. The one thing that Sam said that before the Rams and Chargers came to Los Angeles, Every fan was represented here, and I would say that is very true. For all the people who've been to down uh, in Venice, uh, Venice Beach, uh, Manhattan Beach, all the beach cities, or even down in Hollywood, you know, maybe down L.A. Live, right? Uh, for me, a lot of times I'm down near L.A. Live, obviously right by the, the, lush, the luxurious ESPN Los Angeles studios, by the way. But before the Rams and Chargers got here, you would see jerseys of teams all over the country because there was not a team in Los Angeles. So it would be jerseys all over the place. You would see, obviously, the Raiders jerseys, your Washington football team jerseys, the Eagles jerseys, a lot of Cowboys jerseys here in Los Angeles, Steelers. I mean, you name it, Packers, you name it, that jersey was represented. So that was a great point by Sam is that L.A. was a market that everybody was represented. And then the Rams came. Then the Chargers came. And so now this city is now kind of, it's it's morphing into something different. It is morphing into a city that has a football franchise and people know about. The Rams and Chargers are making news. More so the Rams. The Rams are making news. Now, they may want to throw away the first season they came back to Los Angeles in 2016, 
the uh, Jeff Fisher year, one of the uh, bad years in which they had um, head coach was fired right after. But they hired a guy by the name of Sean McVay in 2017. And in 2017, all the way till now, four seasons for the Rams, they've been to the playoffs three times, three playoff appearances, two division titles, an NFC championship, a Super Bowl appearance. They've been successful in the short period of time that they've here, that they've been here, or be or the short period of time since they've been back. Let's just say that. And you're starting to see it. You know, I got little kids. You know, my my my, my young kids, and actually, my daughter's birthday is today. So the, the debut of my show, my daughter's fifth birthday. So happy birthday, Blake! By the way, Daddy loves you. Um, and I say that because when you take your kids to school, you're seeing all these little Rams jerseys around. Those weren't around. 10 years ago, they're around now and I'm seeing more and more of them. You're seeing the sprinkle of chargers jerseys as they still start to get their footing here in Los Angeles, especially with the, you know, SoFi stadium being open. So that's the one thing that I'm now starting to see in Los Angeles is that as much as it's still going to be a place in which every team is represented, you're starting to see the Rams carve out their space, carve out their territory. The same with the Chargers. They're finding their peg. They're, they're finding their space, similar to the Clippers and, most importantly, the Lakers. You, you, you'll find, look, you're going to see a bunch of, look, LeBron James jerseys, right? You're going to see a bunch of the purple and gold. That's always going to be there. But you do, you still see a couple of Kawhi Leonard jerseys here and there, maybe a Paul George jersey. There are some, not many, but Los Angeles is so big, it's, you got to realize it's, you know, some, sometimes small is actually bigger in other places when you have a city like Los Angeles with so many people here living. But that's what L.A. was. It was always well represented. But it's the one thing that... Sam did say that I thought was was hilarious. Uh, Sam Farmer, who just joined us, was that the the Chargers coming to Los Angeles was sort of like the old duels, <laughs> the old duels of relocation, meaning that it didn't have the buzz. It, it didn't have the buzz because of a, a lot of things. And the news of recent. Yes, we have to talk about it. it it's the recent news of what's going on with the Chargers management. And right now, the, the Chargers released a statement there. Um, saying, hey, we're not going to sell this team, okay? This this family, this is our legacy. This is who we are. We are not selling the team. Do not listen to those reports. Um, and so you have to take what their statement says on their website. I'll take that as well. But we'll see how that story develops as they have been the second team because they got here second in the relocation process. They didn't come right away. So they, they're always going to be considered the second team. Right. They got a sweetheart deal with SoFi Stadium and, you know, they're considered a tenant more so than the home place. But SoFi is so beautiful that sometimes you don't even care who's the tenant, who's not. It's just you want to be there. You want to play football. And that's what it's really all about. So it's been something that the buzz, the buzz comes when you win. That's what I've learned here in Los Angeles. You're going to get buzz when you start winning and winning consistently. Not just, oh, we made it. The wild card is not good enough in Los Angeles. I'm sorry. You need to go deep into the playoffs. 
And you better do some things to make sure that that train is going to keep on rolling, keep on rolling. You never want to stop short. You never want to just say, oh, we made the playoffs and that's good enough. No, that's not it. That is not it. It's almost championship or bust when it comes to the city of Los Angeles. And that's what I've, I've, I'm looking and what I'm seeing with these NFL franchises. And that's why you see the Rams go for it. We're going to talk a lot about what's happened this offseason in the coming weeks, right? Especially next week. I know this was our first episode of LA Gridiron Weekly, and I didn't want to just bury you down with all the transaction talk, you know, the big trade with Matthew Stafford, what happened to Jared Gall. We got plenty of time to talk about that. Plenty of time, right? This is going to be our safe space every Saturday, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. following Dr. Clapper. Same thing with the Chargers. They've got a lot going, too. You know, the offensive rookie of the year in Justin Herbert, right? The highest paid defensive player in the National Football League. No, Rams fans, it is not Aaron Donald. That goes to (laughs) Joey Bosa over on the other side, okay, for the Los Angeles Chargers. They got a lot going. And they even stole the Rams defensive coordinator and Brandon Staley. Yes, they stole him. Never been a head coach. First time as a coordinator last year with the Rams. And I talked about Splash earlier. The Chargers said, you know what? We we want Splash. And they take that Splash. <laughs> and they hire Brandon Staley. So we're going to get into all of that here on LA Gridiron Weekly each and every week. Some of the great minds, the great people who f- cover both of these teams, right? Beat writers, reporters, nationally, locally. We're going to get everybody because we want to get the perspective from the people who are closest to it like myself and a lot of the other reporters as well, and be able to share you with that knowledge each and every single week, share you with the information that, Hey, like I said before, sometimes you can't get all the information throughout the week because we're trying to get caught up on who the Lakers play tonight. What are the Clippers doing? Uh, Who's starting for the Dodgers tonight? How's the the Trevor Bauer deal going? Like you you got a lot to get caught up on and I understand it. And that's where I want to be a resource. I'm going to continue to be your resource here, your resource here on LA Gridiron Weekly each and every week. So as much as we talk about the local teams, Chargers, Rams, we're going to talk about just the National Football League overall. Just the news and notes of the leagues and things that you need to know. Things I feel like you must understand what is going on. Stay abreast of what is happening around the National Football League. Because if you missed it during the week, you can get caught up right here. No, I'm not the Cliff Notes. Well, I guess you can't say I'm close enough to the, the Cliff Notes version of your NFL talk. So if you miss it, I can always pick it up. But I know before we get to break, I know we got to get to break before we start the last part of the show. Sam Farmer said something that was I thought was, was, was unique. Because um, I talked about... February 13th, 2022, 3.30 p.m. Pacific time, Super Bowl 56, SoFi Stadium, and what it would mean to him. I want to get your thoughts because we've watched SoFi Stadium be built, right? We, we watched it erect and right in front of our eyes. I mean, for everybody who's flown into Los Angeles, into LAX, and trust me, I think that we've done it a lot. And if you haven't, you've missed out on an opportunity where for like five years in a row, what do we do? We, you always get that window seat. You curl up to the window seat. And when 
the captain tells you, hey, we're approaching Los Angeles, we're approaching LAX. You look out the window and you stare down just to get a piece, just to get a glimpse of the palace in Inglewood, right? The, 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 the stadium, SoFi Stadium, and to watch it each and every single time when it was just a big giant hole uh, to, in, in, the, in the ground and to watch it start to take shape, take form. Man, I'm getting chills about next year's Super Bowl, right? 2022 in SoFi. That is going to be fun. I cannot wait. But like Sam said, it'll be a rebirth for the NFL. But I think it's a rebirth for Los Angeles. The Super Bowl in Los Angeles at SoFi, Super Bowl 56, that is the rebirth to everybody. It took five, well, it'll be five seasons, or well, six seasons, I should say. It'll be six seasons past, but yes, football in Los Angeles is here. It is here to stay, and that Super Bowl is going to mean so much more to the people here in L.A. than I think in other places. You have no idea. But this week, the NFL owners had their offseason meetings. I think they have meetings, I think it's twice a year, three times a year. And it was always about the owners. They would all come together down in Florida or wherever the owners, the, the meetings were, depending on, you know, each location every single year. But because of the pandemic, owners meetings have done what? They've been virtual. So throughout these virtual meetings, the NFL owners, the NFL, the NFL Players Association, they agreed upon something. I'm not thrilled about it as a former player. I'm not thrilled about it. But as an analyst, as a guy who covers the NFL, I understand it. I understand what's going on. And I knew it was an inevitable. It was going to happen. But as a player, a former player, I don't like it. I'll tell you all about what I don't like coming up next here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison on 710 ESPN. 877-710-ESPN. 877-710-3776 is the phone number. At Kirk Morrison, you can reach me on Twitter, Instagram. This is LA Gridiron Weekly, hashtag LAGW. And look, I just teased a little bit what I'm not too thrilled about, what I'm upset about as a former player, but uh, what I have to be okay with as an analyst what I've kind of lived and understand it was going to be inevitable. I'll get to that in just a second. I have not forgot about that at all. I just want to get to these phone lines. They are jam-packed. And like I said, I'm excited to have you guys along with me on this ride each and every single week here on L.A. Gridiron Weekly. But let's go back to the phone lines again. I want to get these callers in before we get into some more football talk. Let's go to line one in Lulu. What's going on, Lulu? You're on L.A. Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison. How you doing today? Hi there. I'm listening to you from on the radio app. Um, yeah, there we go. Florida. Jacksonville. Was, uh, there we go. The 904. How you doing, Lulu? Duval. Um, yeah. I was listening to Dr. Clapper and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. This new show. Yeah. Um, I was born and raised in L.A. Yes. I actually went to uh, a Raiders game in the Coliseum back in the day when I was young. Um, I left in 2002 and I was uh, always telling people I became a Jaguar fan. I was all teal. (laughs) And sure enough, just like the reporter said, everybody uh, always was afraid 
of the Jaguars moving to L.A., you know. And sure enough, they put the pool, talking about Splash, they got the pool, they got the <laughs> biggest screens. It's like showtime, you know. Um, the L.A. fans are definitely spoiled rotten. If you had ever come to Jacksonville in August in the humidity and sat there to watch a game, yeah, you're definitely not in L.A. with this humidity here. <laughs> Lulu, hey. Uh, appreciate the phone call. Look, I, you don't have to tell me about it. I, I just know about it. Having lived there for a year, played there in that environment. Um, my dad, who is a hard-nosed, I mean, he is a Raider fan through and through, thought it would actually be cool to bring his leather coat, right? You know, California, he's going to bring his leather coat. He want to be stylish. He brought a leather coat to a game in Jacksonville. And when I tell you, his jersey had sweat all the way through. He had a teal jersey on that day, my Morrison jersey. He sweat through that jersey. I said, was it really that important for you to bring a leather coat? He was like, man, I keep my leather coat on at the game. Well, guess what? Now you're over there sweating. You're looking all hot. But, yes, the humidity, it will definitely get you. But to, to, to your point, though, Lulu, yes, uh, I just want to make sure that everybody knew that how spoiled we are here in Los Angeles. And it's okay to be spoiled. It's okay to say that you're spoiled when you have so much going on where – when the football season is over, people don't have to say, oh, man, what a, wait till next year. In L.A., we just go to the next sport. And when that cycle comes back around, then we'll get more involved as well. So, no, I get it, Lulu, and appreciate you listening, too, on the ESPN app. All my listeners out there, not just locally here in Los Angeles, but across all platforms, especially on the ESPN app. Let's go to line two. Let's go to, uh, let's go to Andy over in San Pedro. What's up, Andy? Hey, Kirk, I appreciate your work. Been listening for all these years. I got a couple quick questions. Uh, sure. Pretty much a lot for in L.A., so went to the Coliseum with the Rams. I'm wondering if they're going to miss John Johnson uh, and if Deshaun uh, Jackson has anything left. And my other question is regarding your alma mater. I'm a Long Beach State graduate, and I'm always for the uh, proponent of state schools. With them playing a year at Dignity, is that going to make a difference? And uh hope this show goes on because football is king. I grew up on baseball, and football has taken over. Thanks, man. Oh, Andy, appreciate the phone call. Appreciate you, man. Yo, this, uh, we're not going anywhere. We're here. This is our time, right? We're, we're following Dr. Clapper, so not only can you get – your injury news, your, 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 you know, whatever you need from Dr. Clapper, right? If you got an injury, you, you talk to him. But then when you got your, you know, you want to get full off football, when you want to get your news, your information, that's where you come here. You come to me here on LA Gridiron Weekly each and every week, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. We're going to have some outstanding guests, outstanding people who will join us. You'll get my breakdowns as well. I'll break down the film like I do all the time. We may even go revisit some past games for the Rams. You know, I, I'm excited about that to where we can talk about situations, things like that. I'm a nerd when it comes to the football X's and O's part. Like after I get done with this show, I have a four player breakdown for Monday that I have to get done for this year's NFL draft for four players, um, defensive players in this draft who I'm going to be talking about. So I'm going to be watching film all Easter weekend long to give people some perspective on that as well. But to answer your question, you know, Andy, you mentioned the loss of John Johnson. Um, last year uh, on the Rams.com, we did a little panel before I would say the halftime, halftime break of the season, right after the bye week. And we always said, we said, okay, so who's the Rams MVP outside of Aaron Donald? Okay. I said, outside of Aaron Donald, 
the MVP, especially defensively or even the team, I thought was John Johnson. I say that because I've watched John Johnson as a rookie and watch him progress each and every year. And the people who have helped him along, people forget that there was an Eric Weddle, LaMarcus Joyner, you know, the, the guys who kind of started and helped him along the way. And last year was truly his first year calling. The, he wore the green dot in his helmet. Now, the green dot in the helmet means that he gets the signal from the coaching staff and I mean, from the defensive coordinator. And he relays the message to the team, to the to the guys on defense. And the one thing about that is he can't come off the field. You gonna be on the field. I wore that green dot. Never came off the field. Right. I started 95 consecutive games in the NFL. Trust me, I I know a thing or two about making sure you're available all the time and you can't come off the field because communication will go. And I made sure I stayed on the field. So John Johnson was not only became a leader, he became a guy that you could depend on and he made the right play. And so, yes, the Rams, he's going to be truly missed. But here's a guy who was drafted in the third round. Right. This is not a first rounder. It's not a second rounder. This is where people don't give the Rams enough credit for what they've done in the later rounds, rounds three, four, five, where they've hit on players who have become sort of superstars and they get the big deals. And everybody's like, well, the Rams don't have a first round pick. Well, last year they had a corner, I mean, a safety in Jordan Fuller who was taken in the sixth round and became a starter right away. And so, yes, you can get good players. They don't always have to be in the first round, but it is going to be a big loss for the Rams. And we'll get into all of that, too, in shows to come is about the Rams transactions. Uh, another one, too, you mentioned Deshaun Jackson. I am excited about this. Deshaun Jackson's, you know, Long Beach poly graduate, went to Cal, longtime NFL player. But Deshaun Jackson had his best years in the NFL when he was in Sean McVay's offense when they were together in Washington. When McVay was the offensive coordinator, Deshaun Jackson was a big-time player within that offense. I think we're going to see some of that. We're going to see that again, and that's what this offense has been missing is a deep threat. So when we get into a lot of Rams offense talks, their transactions, which we'll get into next week on LA Gridiron Weekly, I'll tell you a lot about you know, what's kind of been going on and what they've been missing. Deshaun Jackson, to me, has probably been a missing piece. Um, Actually, let's go out to one more. Let's get one more phone call in, too. Let's go to uh, San Pedro again. Let's go to uh, Jay. Jay on line three. What's up, Jay? Mr. Kirk Morrison, how are you, buddy? I'm doing good. Jay, how about yourself? Welcome to L.A. Gridiron Week. I want to say what a hell of a first episode, man. You picked the perfect topic to talk about for your first episode. Perfect. I've been a, a fan of this topic for years. I was born in 1993, so two years later, I had no football. So mm. growing up, my football team was, the only football team I ever saw in L.A. was the USC Trojans. So the Troy Polamalu, <laughs> Carson Palmer. Right. And then I ended up following um, Troy Polamalu to the Steelers. So my team was the Steelers in NFL growing up. And all these years, I always wondered, man, how is there no team in L.A., right? This mm-hmm. big city, got all these teams. Anyways, when the Ra- fast forward to when the Rams come back, I kind of feel like a sense, like they kind of had like a little sense of entitlement. Like we're in LA now, we're back, we're the football team, but they don't understand that through these twenty years, LA just developed into like this huge NFL hub, full of different fans: Cowboys fans, Patriots fans, Steelers fans, you name it. And you're seeing that with um, those NFL teams are reaping 
not that, not that they actually market it over here, but they're reaping those benefits every time they come to StubHub or the new SoFi. You're going to see the new SoFi for the Chargers. There's so much away team, uh, away fan team. But there's so many uh, fans of the opposing team when you go to um, LA game. So it's like you made the statement of the Super Bowl being like this big rebirth for LA. I also think of it in another way. It's like this could be the biggest gut punch to LA that the fans are giving back if one of these popular teams makes it to the um, Super Bowl and you'll see all these fans celebrating in Los Angeles. So it could be the best of both worlds. Oh, man, appreciate the phone call, Jay. Yeah, I mean, it can't be the best of both worlds. I just feel like in Los Angeles right now, man, it is going to be – the Rams and Chargers have kind of found their footing. It's taking some time. Look, it's going to take more than just five years, but six years, seven years, you start to start winning, man. You win more and more. You win championships. People are going to be a part of it. That, that's just what it is, man. So it, it'll continue to grow. And, I look, I know there's going to be fans from all over, but – Let's be honest, though. I've lived in Buffalo. I've lived in Jacksonville. Someone says, oh, our team is going to L.A. Some people have never been to California. They're going to make a trip to California to come see their team play in SoFi Stadium, a brand-new stadium at that, indoors, climate-controlled. Hey, we're spoiled in L.A. That's what it's all about, too. Let's remember that. So sometimes, yeah, I get why they're going to see a ton of other fans from other teams around, but I think we've now – got a stronghold on the fan bases here in Los Angeles for our respective teams, especially the Rams. We've seen it. Now it will be fun to finally embrace it inside SoFi. Can't believe we've already got to uh, our last segment coming up, man. So much to get to. I still haven't forgot why I'm a little upset, why I'm – I'm not happy as a former player or a current player, but we're going to get to that too, I promise you. Coming up next here on LA Gridiron Weekly with Kirk Morrison on 710 ESPN. Mm, LA Gridiron Weekly is here. I'm Kirk Morrison. 877-710-ESPN is the number. 877-710-3776. Man, wow, what a great show. First show here um, on LA, on ESPN 710, LA Gridiron Weekly. Man, Sam Farmer, he joined us and you know, dropped some knowledge on us. So, so much to to really be excited about when it comes to football here in Los Angeles. But I, I finally had to get to just why I've been a little upset um, as a former player, as an analyst, not so much because I understand it was going to happen. But look, the NFL decided to uh, to do something and they agreed upon 17 games. 17 games is here. So 20 game season, basically three preseason games, 17 regular season games. I didn't think it was going to happen, but it finally did. Um, Here's uh, ESPN's Adam Schefter kind of talking about the impact of a 17-game season. Well, the league is following the data, and it is following the science, as Roger Goodell said. But let's be honest, it's also following the money. There's huge money involved in expanding the schedule to 17 regular season games per team. And after a year in which there was lost revenue from the pandemic— we can look to the cap ballooning starting in 2023, thanks to the expanded schedule in part, thanks to more games, thanks to bigger media rights deals. But now you're going to see, L, the schedule be pushed back, the Super Bowl be played the Sunday night before President's Day. You're going to see these teams have extra games. Obviously, this is something everybody knew coming. It was baked into the last collective bargaining agreement 
done over a year ago. There's zero surprise. This was just a formality, and that formality was officially approved by owners today. It was always going to happen the 17-game season. Yeah, it was always going to happen, 17 games. But Mike Tannenbaum this week, he said, who does a 17-game season really truly affect? Here's Mike Tannenbaum this week. I think two teams are hurt by this, the L.A. Rams and the New Orleans Saints. Mm. Two teams, when you look and really study carefully, Max, more of the money is going to their top five uh, players that to most. And, again, I'd love to have Jalen Ramsey on my team or Aaron Donald, but when you look at the Rams, you have those two players. You have Matt Stafford, who we all think is going to benefit for playing under Sean McVay, but then all of a sudden your next highest charge is the dead money for Jared Goff. And it's going to come from depth. And I think last year when we were talking about the Pittsburgh Steelers, they fell off a cliff at some point. And I think when we talk about the Rams and the Saints, because the Saints are swallowing a lot of cap charges for this year, I think the 17-game season is going to impact those two teams in particular. That was uh, former general manager Mike Tannenbaum on the uh, Max Kellerman show here on 17 ESPN. And look, the Rams, yes, they got an extra game. And they're going to be paying Jared Goff a lot of money not to play quarterback for the Los Angeles Rams. We know that he was traded to the Detroit Lions. So he'll be the quarterback there. Matthew Stafford, the quarterback here in Los Angeles. I can't wait to kind of dissect that trade. We're going to do that next week on LA Gridiron Weekly because we got a lot that we want to get into in terms of the transactions, free agency, uh, so far. So there's a lot that we want to get into. But 17 games, I knew it was going to happen. It was inevitable. The former player in me is saying, player safety, player safety. I don't want this to happen. But then when you think about the other side of it, right, it is going to be it's going to be about money and more money, more games. That's how it's always going to be. But guess what, man? It's time to hit that two minute drill, everybody. Two minute drill. It's where we last two minutes of the show kind of get caught up on everything in terms of what we covered, what we uh, expect next week. But then also things that we may have missed. So again, the number is going to be eight seven 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 ten ESPN eight seven 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 one zero three seven seven six all week long. Make sure you reach out to me at Kirk Morrison on Instagram at Kirk Morrison on Twitter. Give me your thoughts, your questions, things that you may not even understand about what's going on with your team here in Los Angeles. Whether you you're a Rams fan or you're trying to figure out the coaching staff, how much salary cap space we got. I'll answer your questions each and every single week here on LA Gridiron Weekly saying your Chargers questions. What's next for them in terms of who do they draft? They actually have a first round pick. I mentioned it 26 days away, 26 days from today, right? The NFL draft will take place in Cleveland. The Rams won't be a part of it as a, they don't have a first round pick. They won't have a first round pick for a couple more years. Right now, this year's pick goes to the Jacksonville Jaguars, but in the years after, they'll go to the Detroit Lions for the trade for Matthew Stafford. Same thing with the uh, with the Chargers. They have a first-round pick, though. We'll see who they're going to get. Will it be offensive line? Will it be a playmaking wide receiver? What can they do for their new quarterback, the offensive rookie of the year, Justin Herbert? So we, a lot for us to get into here on LA Gridiron Weekly. I'm so excited you all have joined Buckle up. We're going to have an outstanding ride. This is the first show of many, and I'm so happy to have you all. For Steve Pallett, who was on my engineer on the board today, man, I thank you so much. For all my ESPN LA listeners, 
This has been LA Gridiron Weekly on 710 ESPN.